It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast, the show that tries to answer the question, just what the heck is going on in the media, entertainment, and technology worlds. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Bray, better known to most of the people on the interwebs as PCNerd37, and on the other end of Skype is my trusty co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are awesome. Yeah, that's good to hear. Enjoying the first couple of weeks of 2011 so far? Yes. Um, unfortunately, we've had some rain, as most of the country has, since um, cold weather. But today, clear skies. Uh, we got up to the mid-60s. Um, so it was a really great mon- Monday to, and, and a really great way to start the week. Yeah, it's been, the past couple of days, it's been pretty nice here. I think it was around 60 today, but lately it's been really cold around here. As far as, like, the lows and stuff is... I don't remember it ever being this cold around here where we had nights that were in mornings where they were like 15 below, 19 below, I think, at one morning. Uh, it was like Wednesday or Thursday of last week when it was 15 below outside in the morning. I was outside stacking up a cord of wood that I was having delivered first thing in the morning, which that was a little cold. Mm, yeah, it's been like 20 degrees from our average temperatures Um 20 degrees lower than what it has been usually. So it's it's very cold here for Texas. Uh, with I think last week our highs were in the 50s, or in, in, the, in the low 50s to the mid to high 40s. Yeah, it's been really cold here. I, don't, I haven't really checked to see kind of how it's compared to the average, but it seems a whole lot col- colder here than usual. And if I remember right, there were... Uh, Farmers Almanac had predicted that we were supposed to have a mild winter with average snowfall or whatever. Instead, I think it's probably been a, super, a really cold winter with average snowfall. Yeah, and I remember, did you see that stat uh, last week that said 49 of the 50 states saw snow? It was snowing that week. Yeah, I, I did see that. that uh. I was kind of surprised by that. I guess I didn't think too much of Hawaii getting snow this time of year, but... Maybe so. Yep. But anyway, enough of the weather report. Uh, for those that are interested in following along with us as we do the show, I know a lot of people like to follow along with these show notes to check out all the stories because we do tend to don't always have time for to hit all the details, so we do miss some things. But you can find. <laughs> All of these show notes at globalgeeknews.com. This would be episode number 93 for those keeping track. And we have our full bunch of stories today. It's I was lucky to come up with enough of them because first of the year, after CES, news tends to kind of fall off a little bit, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it was everything I could do just to scrape up our usual 11 stories. And, and that's even with an iPhone announcement on Verizon last week. So, you know it's been a slow week. A um, couple other things for those that have been have haven't been checking out globalgeeknews.com you definitely should i've been po- i generally have been averaging like three posts a day all kinds of awesome stuff today i posted um a star wars death star cookie jar for those that are star wars fans and love cookies and have an extra 50 bucks laying around this might be for you i posted a number of other things like a kid that that decided to take his winter break and learn how to play the Tetris theme song on the Zelda Ocarina of Time Ocarina. It's a little crazy. And actually he's doing it on a GameCube from the looks of the controller, which um, he kind of loses credit for right there. That should be done on the Nintendo 64, not the GameCube, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Some of the other more popular stories... A woman distracted by texting falls into a mall fountain. That's when that's that one's been getting a lot of attention. It's rather funny. Just goes along, not even paying attention, texting, and all of a sudden, boop, falls right into the mall fountain. Then she gets up and jumps out of it like nothing ever happened, and keeps going on. Oh, as I would do. <laughs> yeah, that, that it's kind of funny. It's taken from a couple of different angles from the security cameras in the mall. And there's several other things that were posted last week. Um, those look, looking into getting a Windows Phone 7 device, I posted a picture that I, I've had it for several weeks now. I just hadn't got around to posting it. That is a comparison chart of all of the currently available Windows Phone devices, and it compares them for things like width, height, RAM, um, the type of cameras they have, thickness, battery life, screen size, height, all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking and getting one of those, but you're not sure which of, like, I think it's like seven different devices, if you're not sure which one of those you want to get, you'll definitely want to check out that um, chart there. And for those that are kind of, that don't really want to wait to see the uh, Watson playing on Jeopardy, there's a video of that. And one of the, there's a couple of things on there that were really amazing from last week. One was that in, that I posted on there, NVIDIA has shipped its 1 billionth GPU, which is just kind of mind-blowing. And another is, uh, there's an amazing Zelda cosplay video that I posted that is some promotional thing for, I think it's called Yumicon 2010 or something like that, that, was, that is absolutely phenomenal. So I highly recommend everybody checking that out, as well as all the other really cool stuff going on over at Global Geek News. There's videos and pictures of cool things, like high-speed video at 2,000 frames per second, no, excuse me, 3,000 frames per second, of the Leidenfrost effect of a piece of a drop of water dancing around on a super-hot pan. But anyway, I'll let you guys check that out Global Geek News and find all of the really cool stuff on there yourself. But anyway, like I said, this is episode 93 for those that are keeping track, and might as well go ahead and jump right into the story, starting with 
A new study shows that more people talk while driving, and accident rates are actually dropping. Yeah, this Maybe. is inconclusive, of course, but this is... Um... I shouldn't say inconclusive, but it's not conclusive that that's the reason why accident rates are going down is because people are talking more. Um, we talked previously about texting while driving and how the, uh, laws have caused that to increase accidents by banning texting while driving. Um, but there's also a possibility that the ban on texting while driving is causing people to talk more, which then causes less accidents. I mean, who knows? Could be. One of the things that they mentioned in this story, it's that maybe now that people are getting used to talking while driving, they're maybe becoming a little bit more cautious when they're driving, or maybe it's just people that aren't talking drive like idiots anyway, so driving while talking really doesn't change anything for them or whatever, so there's really a lot of different factors that they can't really explain in here, but the study essentially says that with most cell phone providers or whatever, you tend to get free minutes or whatever after 9 o'clock in the evening, which, I don't know, I think mine, I don't, I think mine start at 7 o'clock in the evening, I think, but I'm not sure, but anyway, for apparently for a lot of people it starts at 9 o'clock, so they've we're able to figure out, based on how many um, cell phone towers you hop around to or whatever, if you're that you're in a car, there's nothing to say whether you're driving or as a passenger, that they show a great big increase in the number of calls starting at 9 p.m. that are moving, whether they're driving or as a passenger, but there's no increase of accident rates after that time that are due to cell phones. Yeah, I have to talk from personal experience. When I see people, I can usually tell when someone's talking on the phone and driving, not because they're driving erratically, but sometimes um, it seems as if they're driving lazadaisically, um, which is most of the case. So not, st not going when the light turns green, um, driving five to ten miles under the speed limit. Um, it's 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 less dangerous and more unpredictable. Because mm -hmm. some of them, they don't react the same way to most things that other people do. And they're more oblivious to what's going on around them. For instance, uh, they go slower when... Uh, they're in the fast lane, even though there's a line of cars behind them. They don't look in the rearview mirror, so they don't notice that they're there. Mm -hmm. um, there's traffic that's up ahead, so they get stuck in the wrong lane, and then they try to make the move all the way to the other side of the of the lane where they're trying to get to, and because they they didn't realize that uh, early enough. Stuff like that. Stuff that's not necessarily dangerous, but not the best way of driving. Yeah, around here the drivers are, are so bad with or without a cell phone, it's really hard to tell a difference most of the time. And, and I never really usually see too much in the way of people texting while driving around here, unless maybe they're sitting at a stoplight. Then once in a great while, I'll mm -hmm. notice people doing that. But most of the time, people around here don't text. Then again, we also have a, a no texting while driving law here now, too. 
So I don't know if that has anything to do with it or what. But last last I knew, like a couple of months after they had, had the law had gone into effect, they there still hadn't been a single cop that had wrote a ticket for it. So it's just one of those things that's kind of on the books, but nobody pays any attention to unless it's proven that you were texting when you got into an accident or something. Yeah, same here. We have the same law, and I haven't heard of anyone getting a ticket for it. Yeah, we have a, a lot of laws around here that are never enforced. They just happen to be there in case there happens to be like a district attorney or a cop or someone that really wants to stick it to you all of a sudden. But, yeah, around here, as far as talking while driving, once in a while I reckon I'll see somebody that is not paying hardly any attention to what they're um, doing driving-wise, and they're more paying attention to their phone conversation. And I am one who does do phone conversations while driving. I don't make a... Usually it's only if people call me, I'm not one to usually make calls while driving most of the time. But usually if I'm talking while driving, it's generally not something that I have to pay a huge amount of focus to. Just where I'm, I'm still paying my most, the most amount of attention to driving, and that's just kind of like a background process in my brain for being able to handle the conversation. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am one of those people that takes driving probably more seriously than others. I don't like talking on the phone when I drive. I, I'm hyper aware of what's going on around me and what's going around in front of me, especially. Um, to the point that I don't even notice stores that are on uh, the side of the, the highway. I only notice the cars that are in front of me and behind me. Um, that's, but That's the same that's, way I have always been. I never notice anything like buildings or landmarks or anything like that. I just notice things that are going on around me that can possibly interact with me in some way, whether right. it's other cars. Usually I'm paying attention looking for cops more than anything because I have a lead foot. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually mostly paying attention to something that might potentially cause me a problem rather than the surrounding environment. Yeah, same thing. But anyway, I think we've taught this story to death. (laughs) Yeah, so don't know for sure if you're safe to talk while driving, but maybe it's not as bad as originally thought. Yeah. Maybe these hands-free laws would be repealed. I don't know. That would be really nice, but I think there's probably too many places that are making some nice revenue off that, like California and Washington and stuff, that they probably aren't interested in repealing those by any means. Anything that makes the government more money, they don't seem to ever be interested in repealing. agree with that. Speaking of phones... The Verizon iPhone was announced last week, and there seems to be a rather large number of AT&T customers that are ready to jump ship to Verizon. Yeah, 16% is what's estimated here, people to move from AT&T to Verizon just for the iPhone. Um, That's very, very um, dramatic as to usual churn rates for AT&T. Personally, as an AT&T customer, I will not move to Verizon, but I'm very happy that 16% of people could because if AT&T is not scared, they will not innovate, and we've seen this. And um, I think 
the the time has come for AT and T to pay for their lack of uh, lack of development of their infrastructure. I think when a bunch of people migrate to Verizon, it's going to improve conditions quite a bit on AT and T, especially if sixteen percent of AT and T's customer pace goes away. That mm-hmm. it's going to really improve things for people that decide to stick with AT and T, as to where. You'll see a lot of the AT&T hate start to go away. Yes. And I'm kind of curious to see if Verizon's infrastructure can really handle it. Um, well, it's CDMA. Uh, I think um, inherently, I think AT&T's network was actually, <laughs> I don't want to s- speculate this too much, could be constrained by the amount of devices that support GSM. Uh, so any travelers that come internationally are on AT&T's network because that's the only one that's compatible with the GSM from overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing it being the new iPhone being on Verizon, I think it'd be uh, more stable, especially since we won't have a device using data and voice simultaneously. I think that will help it uh, moderate the data and the capacity of the network. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that people aren't really talking about is the fact that on Verizon with the CDMA, you can't use data and voice at the same time. So you can't have like your Facebook updating in the background as or you can't go and get email and stuff at the same time you're making a phone call. And I, th- I think that have, that not having all that going on at the same time is probably going to really help the network load quite a bit. Yeah. And people saying, well, who uses data and voice at the same time? But, you know, actually, I kind of do. Because <laughs> um, I get emails constantly. And I would hate to be stuck on a two-hour phone call and then hang up and then get all these emails that I've been missing. Well, for me, that's essentially kind of what I do. I'm not... As far as I know, I don't really get anything like emails and stuff while I'm getting a phone call. I'm not sure exactly how the IDEN network works as far as that goes. I know whenever I'm using data, a lot of times people can't get a hold of me on, like, the two-way feature or sometimes even phone calls, so... I'm guessing it's probably very CDMA-like, but yeah, that's one of the things that I've never really had an issue with. Because one, I'm not on the phone that off that long because I only have 400 minutes a month anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's I've just never had any reason to be trying to do other things on my phone while talking at the same time. Well. Traveling over the holidays, driving from Cincinnati, Ohio, back here to Austin, Texas, um, I plugged my phone in to the car charger, and we were using that as a mobile hotspot um, to surf the web. And we would, of course, not at the same time. One of us would be driving, one would be the passenger, and they would switch off occasionally. But if I got a phone call at any point, I would lose my internet connection. And hmm. so that's something that would really, really suck and be inconvenient and hard to plan around. Um, and I'm glad that I could do both. And 
for that reason, I don't think I'll be leaving AT&T. I like the flexibility of buying any phone I want and dropping a SIM card in it. You lose that also when you go to CDMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, being on the crappy network that I'm on, Sprint's IDEN network, I can't really take advantage of any of that because even just doing stuff on the phone like browsing the web or whatever, we're talking dial-up speeds at best. So I, I don't do much in the way of anything data-wise unless if once in a great while I'm um, maybe checking my Twitter because I haven't been around Twitter all day because I haven't been at a computer or whatever. Otherwise, the only real data application I use is Foursquare, and that's about it. But, yeah, these numbers really surprise me. 16% seems almost a bit large as far as AT&T's entire customer base. Supposedly 26% of current iPhone users said that that they'll be making the switch. But I'm kind of curious to know how many are going to take a wait-and-see approach as far as we're going to wait and see if things improve when everybody else leaves the network or if they're gone day one. Uh, right, or I, if there, or if there are any flaws with the iPhone 4 on CDMA, or even some people are talking about waiting for the iPhone 5 because that's going to be coming out in six months. Yeah, that, that's another thing. And what I'm really curious to know is how this is going to affect people on other networks. I'm kind of curious to know if people on mm-hmm. Sprint are going to consider Verizon now, or people on T-Mobile or or Cricket are going to consider Verizon now or AT&T now or whatever. That That's what I'm really curious to know, because it seems like, if I remember right, Sprint has just about finally managed to stop the bleeding of their customers over to other networks. So I'm wondering if this might kind of start that back up again, or if Sprint has good enough offerings with all of its Android devices and everything to keep it from losing any more customers. Right. And if you look at Verizon, they, they they have the iPhone now, and they have all the best Android phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got all the Droid stuff. I, I think um, Sprint has quite a few of the good Android devices, mm-hmm. too. Or at least like, some of the... Yeah, the 4G yeah, ones, at least. Yeah, they've got the, the 4G ones and everything. And I wouldn't trust AT&T when it comes to their stuff they're saying is 4G, because from what I've heard, for the most part, they're just kind of rebranding 3G as 4G, since there is no defined standard that is 4G. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't trust them at all. But, but speaking of the iPhone's creator, uh, apparently Steve Jobs is taking a another medical leave of absence. Yeah, unfortunately... He's fallen ill, and the board of directors granted him this uh, medical leave of absence. He's still going to be CEO, but not involved in the day-to-day, which is what a CEO is supposed to be doing. So um, the title is kind of uh, is just a title instead of an action. Yeah, it's basically so he can keep his $1 a year salary, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's taking another... Apparently, he must be having some other major health issues, like the last two medical leave of absences that he's had. As to where, this time, judging by the email from people that have analyzed it and everything, they're not so sure if he's going to come back this time. Yep, and once again, he's asking people to respect his privacy, which is not going to happen. Yeah, we know that. 
Yeah, and so that just means that it's it's serious. That's all that that's all that means. Um, but I, I'm not going to cry too hard for Apple the company um, because they're going to be okay. Yeah, well, everything's getting handed over to Tim Cook again, and he seemed to do pretty well the last time that Steve had some major medical issues. So I'm not too worried. I, I know especially tomorrow's is going to be really crazy for Apple stockholders. Uh, Today, the stock markets here in the U.S. were, of course, closed for Martin Luther King Day, but they were still open over in Germany, where last I heard uh, Apple stock plunged 8% on the announcement, which when I I was amazed when I woke up to this announcement because it kind of felt like it came out of left field. But... Yeah, tomorrow is, of course, Apple's um, quarterly earnings call. So that's really that's going to make tomorrow's Apple stock price something really to watch because at first you'll see everybody selling like crazy because Steve's gone for an unknown amount of time. In his email, he just says that he hopes to be back as soon as he can. And then you have what should be a really good quarter coming in the earnings call. And so that's kind of going to be conflicting with it. At the same time, I think a lot of it is going to really depend on if Steve happens to be on the earnings call. Yeah. Um, It seems quite sudden, um, his departure. So I don't think he'll be on the call. He better, if he, if he, if he can be on the call, he should be on the call. But the way he left, I'm guessing he won't be because it's serious, which is also very scary. Um, I wish him a fast recovery, and I hope whatever it is, it is recoverable. Um, but uh, whatever it is, I, I, I hope for him and his family that um, things work out for the best. Yeah, I, I don't know the- doesn't look good this time. I, I I don't know. How many times can the same guy cheat death, you know? Yeah, well, he's pretty rich. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if money can buy you health, then he should be okay. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he should eat some meat. Yeah, that would probably help him. The whole vegan thing, I'm sure, can't be helping at all. Yeah. But um, speaking of medical issues, so apparently some gamers hijacked a server at a hospital so they could play Call of Duty. Yes. Which is very interesting, yet very disturbing. So, there's over 230,000 people whose medical records were on the servers that they breached in order to utilize that server's bandwidth to play a Call of Duty. It doesn't seem like any of that patient data was encrypted. So, uh, hackers could see that data and who knows what they're doing with it. Um, they've sent messages or letters to the people who could possibly be affected, but you know, once the damage done, what, what can they do? Yeah, I, I'm amazed that they didn't have this kind of data encrypted on the servers or whatever. I, I would have thought that something like that would be required considering all of the medical privacy laws and stuff that there are now. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, you wouldn't want someone just to yank the hard drive out of the server and, like, if it goes bad or something and still have have access to those records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I won't trust 
the this New Hampshire based hospital seacoast radiology with my medical information. Yeah, and so they also they found this in November twelfth, but they still have no idea <laughs> how long this has been going on for. Well, yeah, I meant to look to see how much the length of time before that that Call of Duty Black Ops had been out. Um, I don't think it had been out for too long at that point, so it can't be for that long. But I don't know. Well, I mean, how many iterations of you know of this server's uh, usage has there been? I mean, it might have been. Uh, whatever the next hottest online game was before that, and then for some reason they said, you know what, Call of Duty came out, let's use that as a server. Yeah. Well, what really amazes me is that until they realized that their bandwidth had gone down, nobody knew there was anything wrong. Right. So it wasn't even intrusion intrusion software that went off. They were like, you know, things are slow, and that's when they investigated. (laughs) Yeah, no intrusion software. There's Nobody that asks the question, gee, why is the CPU usage so high on this server? Mm-hmm. I, nothing. It was just like, okay, why can't I get my YouTube videos as fast as I normally can? Yeah, and why would a medical... I mean, how would they not know with so many external connections mm-hmm. uh, going out to a medical server that they not notice this? They, sh- they should have something like... Um, some MAC address locking or something saying only connect to these, only connect to these uh, other MAC addresses or something. I mean, there's no reason why this should have been wide open. It's just sad and scary. Well, the thing that really that doesn't add up for me is that they're saying that the, their investigators that they brought in from what is the ID experts or whatever, some security firm. Is saying that they believe the hackers to be located in Scandinavia, assuming that that's maybe where the IP address is pointed to or whatever, which that makes absolutely no sense. If you're going right. to set up a gaming server, you want to do it as close to you as humanly possible. You don't want to do it on the other side of the Atlantic because the ping times are going to be horrible. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so this is, could have been one of the many uses that they've detected. Yeah, and... I I've got if they're doing something like that, I would think maybe it's somebody in the U.S. spoofing their IP address from Scandinavia or something like that. Because no gamer with that knows anything about latency and stuff like that is going to set up a server on another continent and expect to have a good experience. Yeah. Which so is, I, I think there's some really stupid hackers or this IT security firm or whatever needs some uh, smarter employees. Yeah. Either way, they need better security and they need to encrypt the data on these servers. Well, speaking of intelligence, IBM's Watson supercomputer is ready to take on Ken Jennings and one other famous Jeopardy champion. (laughs) Coming up here, well, I think the shows are supposed to air like the first week of February or second week of February, something like that. I watched this video and I was amazed that this thing was awesome, the way that Watson played the game. What I didn't realize is that they basically replaced a human with a computer, meaning that it's not tied into the system, uh, the computer systems that Jeopardy is. So when 
a question, or sorry, the answer is displayed on the screen, it actually had to read those, read the category it was, read the position it was, and then answer the question. So it wasn't as if they pressed the button and then the information from the display was pushed to Watson. Watson actually had to use its retinas to detect the question, do OCR, and then uh, do the calculations to figure out what the right answer was. Yeah, and I forget how many like different processors and stuff, or it seems like there's some several thousand processors and like all kinds of terabytes upon terabytes supercomputer that's all like in a back room or whatever running all this stuff to figure it out. And the fact that it seems to be able to keep up with these Jeopardy legends is quite amazing. And Ken Jennings says it's like just a really good Jeopardy player. Yeah. I was also a little surprised, or hoping to see, I should say, that someone get a question wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, No one got one wrong, which would beg the question, what would it do? Does it know the buzz in uh, for that second attempt to answer the question to try to steal it, or what? Yeah, I'm not sure. Supposedly all of this um, technology that's in Watson is all part of IBM's portfolio and whatever as to where it can be used on other projects for other enterprises and whatever. It's just that there's also a specific Jeopardy component to Watson for playing this game as to where it's smart enough to do stuff like that. So I'm kind of curious to see just how that works when the show goes. Because in this video that is in the post, what is it, like 10 questions or something like that that they go through? Mm -hmm. So... Like yeah, that, yeah. It, it, it's definitely really impressive. So one of the things I, I think as far as why, possibly why it didn't, nobody answered wrong, was that I believe all of the questions were taken from a previous Jeopardy show and just thrown in there. And, well, plus you've got like Ken Jennings and stuff in there anyway, so him getting something wrong is rare anyway. Well, also, if you looked at some at some points in the video, it panned over to the side where you can actually see Watson doing computations on what is the right answer. Uh, I wonder if they had multiple choice answers uh, in order for this to happen. So uh, how, how he comes up with the answers is something I would like to learn. Uh, I also think it's going to be very hard for when the show actually goes on, which is what you said was probably tonight or so, right? Keeping it quiet to figure out who actually won. Because <laughs> if I'm in the studio audience, I'm going to have to leak it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody ended up signing all kinds of NDAs and everything just to be able to see the match. But, yeah, I know I've got a, I've got an article on my uh, MacBook Pro that I believe talks about how all this Watson stuff works with a massive parallel um, processing and everything for it to be able to figure out these answers quickly. And apparently, at least for this Jeopardy, it has like a little robot hand for operating the clicker just like the other Jeopardy players. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have some kind of advantage there where it can just send some kind of electrical signal to the Jeopardy judges saying, hey, I buzzed in first. Right. Yeah. This is pretty... (laughs) Yeah, the engineering is awesome. I hope to see a documentary about this. I mean, I, I hope they're keeping thorough records about how this was done. Yeah, I would like to see all of this kind of 
this is essentially the biggest leap in artificial intelligence we've ever seen. So I would love to see something like this open sourced, but I'm sure that there's all kinds of patents around it, and there's no way IBM would ever open source this kind of stuff. Right. I know they're, well, they're talking a little bit about the technology behind it, but there's still a lot of it, I'm sure, that we'll never know what what's in it. Yeah, but this is getting to the point where you can ask a computer a question and it can answer you verbally. So uh, that is amazing, being able to query a huge knowledge base verbally. Well, that's one of the things that they said that this is essentially geared towards is at first they want to see this implemented in hospitals and stuff to help doctors make diagnoses and be able to, like look up things that maybe they don't know off the top of their head and whatever to help with medical stuff. And then eventually, I think, if I remember right, I think they said, one of the guys said that the whole initial vision for it was like the computer in Star Trek, where you could say anything Mm -hmm. to it and it would know how to respond. Yeah. This makes me excited. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Yes, I, for one, welcome our new super intelligent computer overlords. Made by IBM. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, uh, I guess I really don't have much of a transition for the next story. Hmm. I guess I didn't think about that when I was putting the stories together. Anyway, apparently 9% of gamer kids are addicted to games. Which sounds bad, I guess. But to me, every kid that I knew... Or even me thinking about myself, I mean, we were all addicted to something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Games, comic books, television shows, you know, we all immersed, like band, or, you know, even studying. Some some of us were really immersed in things. So this study that shows that, you know, 10% of, close to 10% of kids are addicted to video games, yeah, I, I think I was too. Yeah, I know definitely as a kid I would say I'd, was for sure. Anymore, not as much. I do still spend quite a few hours every week playing games, but it's nothing compared to what it was like when I was a kid by any means. But yeah, I think pretty much all kids have some something where they spend an excessive amount of time doing it, whether it's video games, watching TV, surfing, excuse me, surfing the internet or whatever. Or talking on the phone or texting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... Kids are obsessive. I mean, it's what happens when you have all this time and no job? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to spend a lot of time doing something. I just think it's normal. One of the things that kind of puzzles me about this study, it's a two-year study published in the American Journal of Pediatrics of 3,000 kids in Singapore. Oh, yeah. So it's like, uh, okay, seems like kind of a strange study to... Con- a strange place to conduct it and then release it in a journal of another country. Right. Because, I mean, the culture of Singapore is going to be a whole lot different than the U.S., so just to say that they're, the kids in, that 9% of the kids in the U.S. are addicted to games, I don't think you can necessarily say that without having to actually done do the study here. True. But, but also, as I said before, just because they're addicted to the video games now doesn't mean that people aren't addicted or weren't addicted before. This may not be a new phenomenon, it just might be a new obsession. 
Yeah, well, they're, they're saying with this study that supposedly it affects how impulsive kids are, their social competence, depression, social phobia, anxiety, and even school performance, which that's kind of been known for a long time anyway. But, I don't know, with the way they um, talk about this study, the only time I've really ever seen anything like this is with World of Warcraft. So I'm guessing maybe they studied 3,000 World of Warcraft players in Singapore. Yeah. 3,000 well, old a, farmers. <laughs> there's a there's a thin line between um, being addicted and being obsessed. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on what end of the line they're talking about here. Uh, but, I mean, kids could be kids. The only way that this means anything to me, if they show some sort of long-term, uh, long-term problem or problems after they've grown out of uh, their adolescence and into adults, whether or not this is so this is permanent or is this just a phase? Well, one of the things that they don't discuss in here at all is that, especially in these poor countries. There's a lot of people, especially kids, that are playing games for money. Whether it's mm-hmm. they're doing like gold farming in World of Warcraft, or they're taking characters in a game like World of Warcraft, leveling up to some real high level, and then turning around and selling the character or whatever. This isn't just about having fun playing games. For a lot of people, this is a business to them. Mm-hmm. It's it's a way to make some extra money. So. That's something that they, and of course, with something like that, you're going to be spending a huge amount of hours doing it. So, yeah. I think that I think that's one of the things that they don't account for in this study. Also, in some other countries, this is actually there are actually leagues, and people can become professional gamers. Yeah, I don't know how much about in Singapore. I don't know about Sa- Singapore, but I know like in Korea and stuff like that. Yeah, in South Korea, especially when it comes to um, StarCraft, gaming leagues are huge. Um, gaming leagues started to catch on here a couple of years ago, but I think when kind of when the economy went downhill, those gaming leagues pretty much largely went downhill with it because a lot of sponsors couldn't really uh, afford to sponsor these huge gaming leagues anymore. I know that's why around here we haven't had any real huge, tremendous LAN events like we used to. I mean, back in high school, I was going to like 700-person LAN events where they were giving away $150,000 worth of prizes and whatever, and now there's you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm, I definitely question this study. Excuse me. Nine percent seems to be a tad on the high side, unless, of course, we're talking about World of Warcraft par- players. In which case, I think that's a tad on the low side. Yeah, and also a question of where they found these three thousand kids. Yeah, well, I, I know that um, these like land gaming centers or whatever, these internet cafes and stuff, seem to be really big over in Asia. It, I know there's been several stories. One of them wasn't wasn't too long ago. I'm like here in the past month or so, of yet another kid dropping dead because he decides to play like 36 hours straight of gaming and doesn't want to stop. So, yeah, gaming has gotten to be really big in Asia, so it, it I think things are just different over there, and to make that sound like that's the case 
here seems to be a little off. Yeah, interesting story. Hopefully we'll see another one in another two years or so that we can comment on. Yeah, maybe Pew will do a study. I, I tend to like their studies. Yeah, they're pretty good. Well, moving on to some privacy-related stuff, something that kind of scared me when I saw it today. Apparently, Facebook is now allowing third-party app developers access to your phone numbers and addresses. Yeah, this is scary because um, you don't know what they're doing with that data. I mean, we we talked about uh, a few months ago about prominent companies um, selling that data to third parties once they did get get it. Um, They said that they've they've stopped doing that, but still... um, the possibility that your own personal number, and especially a mobile number, can get out in the open, uh, and then you could start, they could start using that as a vector to get spam and, te- and spam text messages. Yeah, this is kind of... <sighs> kind of boring? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I've been up since a little early this morning, so, uh, yeah, I'm getting tired. But yeah, th- this is one of the things that really concerns me. I mean, I certainly don't want to have a whole bunch of spam SMS messages. I get enough spam email as it is. I think I cleared out in one account today. I cleared out like nine thousand spam email out, emails. That's just one account, and I hope and I have many. But yeah, and, and not to mention the last thing I need is my address to get out there even more for more credit card offers. Mm-hmm. At least with that, I'm the address wise. As far as like getting junk mail and stuff, I'm not too concerned. Just because usually my policy is anybody that sends me a bunch of junk mail and they send a postage paid um, self-addressed envelope so that you can send your application back to them or whatever, I take all the crap that they send me, shove it in there, including the envelope that they sent it to me in, and stick it back in the mail. Mm-hmm. They don't tend to like that very much, and that's how I find that's the easiest way I find to get rid of junk mail immediately. When they get that back, they just stop sending it to you altogether. Yeah, well, anything that that it's talking about people having the ability to see where you live (laughs) and that and to call you, you know, at all hours, no matter what, especially with cell phones, you can't block numbers with cell phones like you can with landlines, which really does suck. Um, it, it's something extremely sensitive, and I wonder why at this time that Facebook is allowing this to happen. So this could be one of the many uh, privacy walls that are going to start, co- you know, falling down as they move closer and closer to IPO. Yeah, this certainly concerns me. As far, as far as the whole blocking numbers thing goes, that's why I am working on trying to migrate every all of my contacts over to using my Google Voice number, mm-hmm. because with that, you can block people. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't use your Google Voice number with uh, Facebook. Ah, uh, I think you can, can't you? Once you sign up and you put your phone number in, you know, for mobile connectivity, they send you an SMS message that you have to type in to confirm that it's your number. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've never had any issues doing text messaging through Google Voice before. Not if it's mobile to mobile. But if we're talking about short messaging services like 
Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, those don't work. Huh. Well, I guess I never really realized that. Yeah. But, but yeah, for those that are worried about their phone numbers and addresses getting out there, address, well, that's kind of public information anyway, so uh, that doesn't really matter too much, but especially those that are like to keep their phone number unlisted or have cell phones or whatever, you might want to take your phone numbers and addresses off of Facebook. That's yeah. what I plan on doing as soon as the show's over, because I've always kept my phone number and address up there just because if somebody should ever need it and they don't know any other way to get a hold of me or whatever to ask for it, that's where you you would go to find my phone number and address. Yeah. But, it's uh, a lifesaver sometimes, but yeah, I'm going to have to take that off too. Yeah, I, that's job one after uploading the show tonight is to take all that stuff off of Facebook. But speaking of publicly available information, there's a, a dating site called Gotham Dating Partners that apparently is, take, is creating profiles of people for their dating site based on public records. Yeah, this is an Australia company, which um, it sounds like, why would a dating site want to index everybody that's possible and then put them in their site? These people may not be single, so why build a profile for them? Yeah, it seems like this was kind of a half-baked idea. Essentially, they're wanting to look at social networking sites, email registries, mailing lists, marketing surveys, government census records, real estate listings, and business websites to gather as much information about a person as they possibly can and just create a dating profile for them without even letting them know, just creating this dating profile for them. Yeah, and they're getting this information from third-party companies, the same third-party companies that could scrape Facebook and scrapebook applications um, for that for that information. So another reason why, going back to the previous story, you should get that information off. Yeah, well, and here they're it's apparently the Australian Privacy Commissioner that's saying this isn't good privacy practice. Although it doesn't sound like they're good, would be facing any legal issues from this, since it's of course all public information. Yeah. But just as a business, it doesn't seem like a very smart idea. I mean, you've got apparently they've got. Six and a half million members, and this would bump them up to 340 million members. But why would you want to spend all this money to go out, get all this information, and then take all that and create profiles for them when the people don't use the site? They've probably never even heard of the site to begin with. And so it's not like they could say, oh, hey, I have a profile here. Maybe I created it and didn't remember it or something like that. I mean, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It seems like it's one of those things where, kind of like maybe a Foursquare uses or whatever, where people join in, create all this information about a business, and then if you happen to be that business, you can go in there and claim that business as your own. Yeah, and also, when you scrape all that data, you get inaccurate information. I know that I don't always tell the truth in online forms. And so when they do create this profile, it may be either incomplete or wholly inaccurate. The only way that I see this as being an advantage is if I am not a member of their site, I decide to join their site, I type in my email address, and they pre-populate a lot of stuff for me. 
because the one of the hardest part of joining any service is filling out the profile information, and this way is pre-populated. But in some cases, that could be just wrong information, and I think it's going to cross the creepy factor too. Yeah, it's certainly a little on the creepy side. It would certainly be nice if this stuff would be populated for you and everything. But you have to wonder how many people are going to have the same name as you and you don't really want your public information, like any court hearings or anything like that, mixed up with somebody else and have that appear on your dating profile page. But if it auto-populated it for you, that that would be kind of nice. At the same time, there still probably would be a lot missing. Plus, I know there's been studies in the past saying how much people tend to lie on their dating profile pages and whatnot. But, I don't know, I'm... I tend to be somewhat reliably informed that a lot of people have a real hard time filling out their dating profile pages because it's just real awkward to talk about yourself in that kind of situation where you're looking for somebody to go out with or a sexual partner or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we'll look look at them a year from now and see if they're still in business or if they're closed down to figure out if this is successful. Yeah, I've got a feeling that this is going to generate so much bad press for them that it's going to kind of sink them right off. But I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll have to see. But anyway, speaking of things that are sinking, the CD ship is sinking as Sony is closing... It, one of its biggest CD-making factories. Yeah, um, it was one of the biggest ones in the country, if I remember correctly. Um, and with the advent of digital music and less people wanting to uh, own the physical media, CD sales have dropped dramatically, and it looks like they're consolidating, op- consolidating operations, moving it from um, their New Jersey plant um, to their, is it Tennessee? Uh, I think it's Illinois. Illinois plant. Yeah, uh, Indiana. 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 Yeah. So, uh, which, you know, it's, it's fine by me. Um, it's, it's, I'm sad that people are going to be losing their jobs, but uh, progress is progress. Yeah, it is kind of sad. 300 people will be out of work from it. This factory has been open for around 50 years because it was first producing vinyl records, and it's going to close up March 31st, and apparently it used to pump out about 18 million CDs a month, which, that's a good number of CDs, but um, with sales and everything kind of dropping, I think CD sales dropped 18% uh, in 2009 or whatever, so it kind of makes sense that they're having to close it down since everything seems to be moving to digital anyway. But considering the uptick that there's been lately in vinyl record sales, I'm kind of surprised they're not kind of converting it maybe back over to vinyl. Because mm. mm. between t- 2008 and 2009, there was a 33% increase in vinyl record sales. Yeah, they're probably handling that capacity at another plant. Um, one stunning part of this is saying that Apple currently holds two-thirds of the digital sales and the number one spot in overall music sales, period. Yeah. Yeah, I know Apple's pretty big. I think... I don't remember if... I think Walmart's number two, and, like, Amazon is number three, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure if Amazon's number three, but... um, 
I, I think Walmart is number two. And it's amazing how much things have changed in five years. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Personally, I tend to prefer the CDs, at least up until the point that they start getting scratched and the music starts to skip. But, I don't know, I've pretty much, with the exception of all the CDs in my car, I've converted pretty much everything to MP3, and I just run everything off my Zoom now. Yeah, it's kind of funny what... Uh, everything that's new is old and everything that's old is new so vinyl seeing a resurgence while CDs are seeing a decline see I never I never really got the whole vinyl thing it never with like the pops uh, and everything that were associated with the audio quality of it I, I just never really understood why people would want want that kind of audio quality in their music yeah well they say it's warmer but who knows could be. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know the last time I listened to anything on vinyl. It's probably been 15 years at least. 15, well, probably getting close to 20. But who knows? But speaking of things that are old, Windows 98 still generates twice the web traffic that Windows Phone 7 does. Yes. Um, when... We're talking about Windows 98. It was a hassle to get that on the internet. So we're talking setting up WinSocks, getting a browser to even work on that. Um, Most modern-day browsers are probably too powerful for Windows 98. So it's probably stuck on old versions of IE or Netscape. Um, And then that compared to a Windows Phone 7 that has always-on internet, and is made to surf the web. Uh, maybe uh, on a smaller screen, but uh, it's still web traffic is, is you know, less than half the, of Windows 98, which is very, very shocking. I know seven, Windows Phone 7 hasn't been out that long, but Windows 98 has been out so long that it should be almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Windows 98's been out for, what, 13 years now, or... Yeah, something oh, like yeah. that. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that, that's that's crazy. I, what I'm wondering is, I know that, I think we talked about it on the last show, the bug that Microsoft is facing mm-hmm. with the mysterious data usage on Windows Phone 7, which I hear they're investigating for fixing in the next major release or patch or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to know if that contributes to any of this at all, in which case that would make things even more sad. Yeah. But, yeah, Windows 98 is still using twice as much web traffic as Windows Phone 7. And well, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and the other more interesting numbers is that Windows Phone 7 accounts for 0.44% of Internet traffic when you, com- when you compare it to the combined forces of the iPhone and Android. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's when sad. You, now, I'm, when you throw in BlackBerry and like Nokia or whatever, I'm sure it probably isn't even maybe 0.1 percent. Yeah, there's probably more Palm devices out there than <laughs> than Windows Phone Seven. Um, what I was gonna talk about is I think they're advertising the phone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking about Glance and Go, but when they show that screen on television. I don't really see any 
information. So I would never glance at that screen and think I'd be done because you don't really get anything from that front screen. You might see that some there are some messages for you, but you still can't glance and go. You have to look at those messages. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's their ads on it aren't real wonderful. I've, I've, I'm hearing rumors that they're essentially going to do the same thing for these Windows Phone devices as they did for the Windows Phone 7 laptops and stuff, where I don't remember the exact uh, name of the campaign or whatever, where they find supposedly some random person, send them into a Best Buy or whatever to pick out a computer, and then, or they give them a certain amount of money, go pick out a computer, and then they walk out with a Windows computer all happy and whatever, and rumor has it that's the kind of ad that they're going to start running. That's stupid. They need to pick out some specific use cases and show people why it's easier. I think they just need to do more to play up the gaming end of it with the Xbox Live integration. Yeah, that'd be a use case. I I think that's probably the strongest aspect of the phone that can be marketed the easiest. So I think that's probably what they really need to aim towards. Yeah. Agreed. That would that would make the most sense, but I don't know. I I'm really starting to want, get worried about Windows Phone 7. I mean, what was it at CES Steve Ballmer said they had what was it, 20,000 developers signed up, myself included. And I believe they just passed 6,000 apps last week. But that seems to be like it's going to be a lot of wasted developer effort if there's that many developers and there's so few people using these phones. Mm-hmm. I, Did I you... think that within, like, the, if sales don't pick up, which I would assume that once they um, allow for CDMA versions like on Verizon and Sprint and whatnot, that I think maybe uptick will pick up. But if they don't, if it doesn't really start to pick up in the next six months or so, I've got a feeling that the phone's going to flop. Mm-hmm. Um, have you are you familiar with Raul Sood? Yes. Uh, did you hear that he moved yep. to Microsoft? Yeah, he moved several weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, so he's in head of their uh, like usability and, and making sure that their uh, their um, the customer experience is good. So I wonder if that will factor in in Windows Phone Seven at all in the in the future. I know I've seen him tweet about Windows Phone 7 quite a bit. He seems to really like the platform. Which, I li- from what I've used of it myself, and I've just had just a couple minutes to play with the developer device, uh, it's a great platform and everything. It, it does some really nice stuff. But, I don't know, I, I think at this point there's just almost too much competition when it comes to Android and the iPhone. It, I just have a real hard time seeing them being able to wedge their self in there. They just need to do something outstanding. Like have a, I mean, like have a flashlight in each phone or something. I don't know. Do something. Have one feature that's just so awesome. Well, I <laughs> think that was part of the problem with Windows Phone 7. And, of course, I was at Mix last year as to where I got to speak to different people about it. And that there's a lot of stuff that they didn't have with it when the device, when the platform launched, that all the others have had as to where not only are they not doing something spectacular, 
they're still they still have a ways to go just to play catch up. Yep. And they can't do copy and paste. That's supposed to be coming in the update here in the next what is it two or three weeks? So that's coming shortly, as well as number of performance improvements and whatnot. But they don't have copy and paste. They don't have um, background tasks. You can't have things running in the background or whatever. You have to use their special notification service, which you can only have 15 apps set up for notifications at a time, which that's really limiting. Um, You can't do in-app purchases. There's no in-app purchases. Um, From what I understand, they're... uh, Developer restrictions or whatever are just about as bad, if not possibly worse, than Apple's. I think maybe they might be a little bit more transparent about when they reject your app or whatever, but their rules seem to be really picky as far as like content and stuff goes. So, I mean, I think the they kind of let things out half-baked, and that's coming back to bite them. Yeah, they're also, they don't do a lot to actually court people. They're courting developers, but they don't court people in conferences and shows. Um, like at South by Southwest, they had a piss-poor showing really, really bad. I mean, they sponsored a lounge, but there's a lot more they could have done to actually have one-on-one time with people. Yet, of course, I mean, it wasn't announced yet, uh, which means the... the the bar is raised for South by 2010, 2011 for them to actually do something with their platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been doing a great job as far, as far as getting developers interested in the platform, making it easy to develop apps on the platform and everything. I've, I've done some of that myself, and it's fun, it's easy and everything. They just haven't really done much to go after the users. They seem to be going based on the idea of, well, if we have these apps... People come because we have apps. Well, apps is only part of the equation. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, keep up the good fight, Windows Phone 7. Yeah, hopefully they can kind of gain some momentum. Hopefully. But speaking of things that are gaining momentum, the Internet seems to have grown quite a bit in 2010. Yeah, leaps and bounds, and it uh, looks like you've compiled a list of uh, some of the highlights from uh, a, a summary of some major stats over 2010. Um, let's just uh, go over one by one and alternate. Um, the first one is 107 trillion emails were sent in 2010, 89.1% of which was spam. That's a lot of email. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's can't even fathom 107. 7 trillion emails. But then again, when just one of my accounts has almost 10,000 spam emails in it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that with all the ways that there are to con people out of money on the internet these days, that there's still almost 90% of it is spam. Yeah, especially when we don't even see a majority of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with as good as spam filtering is these days, it's usually fairly rare that I um, ever notice any spam or whatever. And I just and usually I get I'm so inundated with spam that I never bother to go through my spam filter. It's just whenever I go to empty my spam filter, I say I'll tweet something to the effect of "Hey, if you sent me a message." And I didn't get back to you. It probably went in my spam filter. Send it to me in the next half an hour, and I'll be paying attention, and I can get back to you. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my spam stuff is anything is nothing I ever look at. I usually just hit the empty button on the next to the spam, and it all just magically goes away. Mm-hmm. But the next amazing statistic is there are 255 million websites in 2010. 21.4 of those were created in 2010. Yeah, it's amazing what they mean by websites. I'm guessing they mean domains. Uh, that would be... Well, it's got to be more than domains. I'm guessing that I got, they're including sites that are subdomains and stuff, because in the next one they're saying that there were 88 million .com domains by the end of that point, and I don't see... Well, there could be .edu and .gov and dot, dot Yeah, and there's... Uh, there's quite a few of those and stuff, but I really don't see that there see there being that many of those addresses compared to .com addresses because .com is still the biggest thing out there. Right, but uh, we're talking worldwide here, so um, yeah. So there could be .dot you know UK. <laughs> uh, there could be .dot RU. There could be other ones around the country, and then you know .dot CO was also big, but I don't know how much they sold. Um, and plus, we're talking about dictionary words, so yeah, I would say that you know, still .net and all those other ones could could make up the rest of that total. I could see all the others maybe pushing, maybe combined with that pushing up to two hundred million, but I don't see it two hundred and fifty five million just with throwing in everything else. But could be, I don't know. Yeah, um, but. That's a lot of websites. Um, I guess that talks to the startup mentality that's happened in 2010. A lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people started companies. Um, so we have a, a little bit more uh, the resurgence of the tech boom. So I think that also accounts to the web addresses, uh, or sorry, the domains being sent out there. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And just to, we can come back to the next one, but just to skip one thing there. 150, there are 152 million blogs on the internet, so I'm wondering if 152 million accounts for part of that 255 million, or probably. If, I, which, if that's the case, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, blogs doesn't also mean domains because they could be um, myblog.wordpress.com, which would be a blog. Yeah. That someone could say. Like me, I have WesleyFaulkner.com, which is my blog and also is a domain. So uh, I guess it could be in both camps. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, going back to the one that point in between there, Asia has really grown in internet users. Oh yeah, yeah, eight hundred twenty-five point one million users, which is huge. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. I mean, I know that. We're talking about billions and billions of people, but that's still pretty huge. Yeah. I, also, I, I'm wondering what percentage of those internet-connected users in 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 uh, Asia are computer users as opposed to phone users, because mobile internet usage there way surpasses us here in the United States. Yeah, I don't know about like in China and stuff, but I know. Internet traf- internet um, offerings by ISPs and stuff in Japan are far superior in speeds and stuff than what we get here in the U.S. And I believe their mobile offerings are superior as well, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, 
it's sad how far back we are. Um, and also goes to show how how much bigger that number is going to be next year. Yeah, I, I I would assume that that'll that Asia will pass the one billion mark next year. Yeah, and and in this year, I should say. And moving into the next bullet point, <clears throat> twenty five billion tweets were sent in twenty ten. Um, so that's a lot of Twitter messages, but. Just looking at my stream and how fast things go by, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, Twitter is really catching hold, uh, and it seems to be growing and not slowing down. Yeah, it seems like I had seen a story back in the fall estimating somewhere around that number of tweets to be sent in the year. But yeah, it's amazing how many tweets people send. I know I'm on my PC Nerd 37 account. I am really close I'm just a couple hundred away, like about 500 away from hitting 20,000 tweets on that account. On the at Global Geek News Twitter account, uh, I, I believe I'm approaching like 6,000, or yeah, I just passed 5,000 on it. So, and that's just two accounts. So that's not doesn't surprise me at all, especially with all the spammers that are that seem to be taking over lately. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a just in the past week or two. There seems to be a lot more spammers. I don't, I don't know what's going on. In about the past two days or so, I've gotten a lot of DM spam. Yeah. About this whole iPhone four testing and get a free iPhone four or something like that. Yeah, thing. I got two this morning, I think. Um, and uh, at reply spam too. I got three of those yesterday. Um, with just keying off what I was talking about, which is scary. I mean, unfortunately, um, Twitter is probably going to have to address that, just like Google has addressed spammers. Twitter is going to have to be more aggressive with that. The good thing is, um, way back in the past, they would have like, you know, hundreds of followers, but now I'm getting one or two followers or one or two tweets. So um, the accounts seem to be caught pretty quickly, but uh, I think they're making more accounts. They're making accounts quicker than they're being destroyed. Yeah, well, it, it seems like usually always when I get some kind of a spammer, I always block them and I always report them as spam. But a lot of times Twitter seems to be really taking their time as far as getting around to seeing if it's a spam account or not and actually suspending the account. And there was one, I don't know, it was yesterday or today, where it seemed like they were on it within about two or three minutes. But there's times in the past couple of weeks where it's taken them hours and hours, and they still haven't gotten around to doing something about the account. Yeah, they need to make that a more automated process. Yeah, they've got to do. They've got to come up with something that. When somebody reports something as spam, even if it's just one person, that somebody is going to go look at the account and see if there's really a problem there. Yeah. And the next thing on the list is that uh, 70% of Facebook users are outside the U.S., which I guess is kind of tied back to the Asia has uh, 825.1 million users. I mean, with growth like that outside of the U.S., um, it's it's not uh, hard to see why 70% of Facebook users will be non-U.S. citizens. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised by that number because it's not very often that I see too many international Facebook users. Yeah. I, I, it seems like I 
do tend to see a good number of ones from like India and stuff, but I think that's largely because I am friends with a good number of people inside Microsoft and there is a large Indian presence inside Microsoft. So with all the friend of a friend recommendation stuff that Facebook does, I tend to see probably a lot more Indian users than most people would. Yeah, with you know the fact that we hear that MySpace is trying to be sold, um, and from my foreign friends hearing about how Friendster and um, and Orkut are are being demolished by Facebooks uh, in their countries, um, I can see that people are migrating from all these other networks where um, they were niche and regional. Uh, to Facebook globally. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg was meeting with people in China to try to get Facebook there. And once that happens, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. Uh, numbers drop more t- to, to 10%. Well, as of, um, well, I think it's been a couple of weeks ago, Facebook now has 600 million users. At least that's according to a document leaked by um, Goldman Sachs when they did their investing, but yeah, they're they're certainly growing in leaps and bounds all over the place. But I don't know, it just seems like you don't really see too much of an international presence on Facebook. I don't know if if that's just kind of the way it happens to be with my account, or if or if they have something that's kind of sectioning off mm-hmm. a lot of areas in Facebook as far as sectioning off certain countries unless of course you happen to have a friend that has friends in another country or whatever so I, I'm not exactly sure how all that works but yeah they, they're certainly growing like crazy I certainly still don't think I still don't think they're worth 50 billion dollars but they're growing like crazy right but um, speaking of Facebook just jumping ahead and then we can go back. Um, apparently, Facebook is growing by 3 billion photos every month. And Flickr only hosts 5 billion photos, period. Yeah. And that, and that's amazing. Uh, a lot of mobile uploads, a lot of friends' photos and being tagged and duplicates and profile pictures and stuff like that. That's, that's a lot of pictures. Yeah, that kind of really shocked me. Just because I know... I remember when Flickr used to be the number one photo site. Yeah. So for Facebook to be uploading more than a half a Flickr every month worth of photos, that's insane. Also explains why it sometimes takes a long time for pictures to load when you view someone's pictures. But uh, that's an amazing amount of scaling that they have to put up with in order to just operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're... They do some amazing. They've been able to do some amazing stuff, and that's. I would love to know just how big of, how many hard drives they have full, and how many like petabytes of data they have just with pictures. That would be interesting to know. Yeah, and also you have to think about redundancy. Okay, I'm just noticing the search feature has seems to have disappeared on Global Geek News. That's strange. I'll have to go and see what the heck happened there because I was going to go back and look because I know around the first of the year I had posted a I believe I had posted a story saying just how many photos had been uploaded 
around um, the New Year's weekend. I'm trying to oh, find that yeah, story. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I'm trying to find that story. Uh, I know I'm right around the dates here. I know it was like a couple... I think it was like $2 billion was uploaded on the weekend of New Year's Eve. Or weekend of New Year's, I should say. Which is absolutely amazing. Uh, let's see. No, 750 million photos. 750, yep. I was thinking yep. $2 billion. I don't know why. I don't know where I came up with that. But yeah, yeah I, I'm still trying to scroll my way through it. Yeah, January, January January fourth is when it was posted yeah, on your site. Um, just found it. And the last stat is two billion YouTube videos are watched every day. That's kind of mind blowing, right? And that's just watched. That's not even uploaded. That's how many people watch it, which is amazing. Yeah, I do believe in the um, actual list. This list all com- compiled by by a site called Pingdom. They do mention how many hours of um, video is uploaded. Let's see. 35 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube every minute. Wow. That that was the average, apparently, in 2010. We had an amazing year. Um, 2011, hopefully, uh, should be another banner year. We'll see a lot more records set. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing the type of time that we live in. Uh, all this stuff is possible. Yeah, one other number, just video-related, that I didn't uh, stick in that list. The average number of videos online every month that a, an Internet user watches, 186. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, that, that's a little crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, well, I don't think I watch anywhere near that many. I, I, would, say, I would say I do maybe 100, 150, somewhere around there, but I don't think I'm... I don't think I do that many videos every month. Huh. It all depends. I, mean, I do watch a lot of podcasts. Uh, video podcasts. Now, if they're, depending on how you consider that, I mean, if it's something like in my Zoom marketplace, do you, would you really consider that a, a video that I've watched, or is it something that's like strictly talking about online video like on YouTube? You're streaming as opposed to downloaded? Uh, yeah. I don't know. The dis- yeah, I'm guessing they mean both. Yeah, if they're combining the both, then maybe I would probably be approaching that number or close to it but if, when you throw in all the podcasts and everything. But if you're talking about two different things, then no, I don't think I'm anywhere near that number on either end of the street. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And Facebook has twenty million videos uploaded per month. That's that just kind of looks small compared to YouTube, but um, that's still rather large. Right. It's definitely small compared to how many pictures they they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't really know much of anybody or know too many people that upload stuff to or videos to Facebook. Usually, it's they upload something to YouTube and then they share it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't upload directly to Facebook either, uh, unless we're talking about people who are doing connected, you know, cell phones and pushing things directly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense there if they're using the app. Uh, other than that, you know, YouTube's the best. Yeah, well, two plus billion people watch videos on 
Facebook every month. So, yeah, the internet is getting rather large. And that is our last story. Yeah, it's a good thing because we're kind of like running really late here. I think we're like an hour, we're like almost a half an hour over what we usually are, close to it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that would be all of our stories. Of course, you can find all of the links in the show notes to find out more information. There's a lot of internet stats we didn't get to and everything that you of course you can find in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Of course, like I said, this is a, is episode number 93, so that's the episode you want to look for in the show notes if you want to go and check those out. Um, one bit of, I'm going to say sad news at this point. Our numbers have been dropping steadily since about October. I just go through the whole story, I guess. And it's to the point now where I really don't see much in the way of any future for the show. And with the, it usually takes me about, it's like about a five hour commitment every week just to do just the show. So unless there's some kind of a major change next week, will probably be our last podcast. It's kind of sad, but, um, things that have just, things have just kind of been steadily going downhill. And frankly, between the two of us, we seem to be rather busy as to where we haven't been pumping out the shows like usual anyway. But yeah, unfortunately, yeah, this is our penultimate episode. Yeah, so I don't think we're ever going to reach that um, magical 100 episodes unless something absolutely amazing happens or I have a major change of mind in the next week. But otherwise, next week will be our final show. We'll probably do a show like normal. And I don't know if I'll see about getting maybe any guests on for a final show or what I want to do is kind of a send-off. But um, yeah, I would say that Unless something major happens, next week will be the final show of the Global Geek News podcast. Global Geek News will still be around. I'll still be posting stuff like crazy on there. It's just the podcast itself would be the one thing that's going away. Yep, and you can still talk to us over Twitter and uh, through the fan site and stuff like that. Yeah, you can still get a hold of us at Global Geek News on Twitter. Um, Of course, that's where I tend to post all kinds of global geek news related stuff anyway. Or you can get a hold of me, I am at PCNerd37 on Twitter. Or you can get a hold of Wesley, who's at Wesley83 on Twitter. Almost said at Wesley Faulkner on Twitter. <laughs> if you don't have that, you should probably have that anyway. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I know there's several Wesley Faulkners out there. I should try to grab it. I know, um, and generally I don't mention anything about it because it's kind of an account that I don't really use or anything. But when I um, grabbed at Jeremy Bray on Twitter, which, like I said, I don't use at all. I've posted, like, once in the past several months on that stupid thing. Um, I think there was, like, five other Jeremy Brays, but none of them had ever bothered to take the name at Jeremy Bray. So I immediately grabbed it as soon as I saw that. But, yeah, it's always a good idea to have your actual name on these kind of services, even if you don't necessarily use it. I've been wanting the jeremybray.com domain for several years now, but it's some uh, real estate agent or whatever that's using it as a domain forwarder to his profile page for whatever um, real estate company he works for, which is really annoying. 
It's like, if you're going to use something like that for a domain, don't use it as a forwarder. That's just stupid. Anyway, yeah, you can, of course, you can always get a hold of us, globalgeeknews at gmail.com for those that want to send us something longer than 140 characters and don't feel like breaking it up into multiple tweets, which is just annoying anyway. Um, yeah, of course, you can always stick stuff in the comments. We always make sure to read the comments. Or at least I do my best. Occasionally I forget to approve comments or I don't get emails saying that we have comments because something is marked as spam when it shouldn't be and whatever. I'm trying to get better about that, though. But, yeah, there's still many ways to get a hold of us. We'll still we'll still be around. Maybe someday down the road the show may start up again. I never say never. Uh-huh. But um, it's looking like things are pretty much done at this point. So... Anyway, we will see you all back next week for one last time, at least. Unless something changes, it'll be the last time. And for this week, we are done, so we will all see you later. <laughs>